I'm not 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. This soul's memory is This heart's been filled with complicated I can't face the emptiness inside Where are you now? I'm covering my eyes
walking down a long road that started back then with Adam in the Garden of Eden. We were slaves in Egypt with a heavy load until God told Moses he was going to give us our freedom. Coming home. Chosen people are gonna start coming home. Chosen people are gonna start coming home. Back to Canaan, milk and honey in the promised land. It's one big family reunion in the family of Bishville, I call from all the nations we are chosen. Bishville, I call for this Torah and all its deep meaning. Bishville, I call, I nach no more Bishville, I call, I got their smiles and their laughter. Bishville, I call for all the times that we can feel you looking at. Bishville, I call for all those miracles that forever go unseen. Bishville, I call, I nach no more Bishvila kol anachnu modi. Oh, 
אם רק הייתי יכול, הייתי נותן לך חיבור גדול. אם זה היה אפשר, הייתי מאושר, כה מאושר. אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל לחבק את בורא עולם, כה נעלם ונסתר, כל כך מושלם. אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל להחזיר קצת טוב אל האבא, האבא של כולם. אני שר, אני שר רק בשבילך, עם כל צליל אומר תודה, ובעצם אני מחבק אותך בחזרה. שר רק לכבודך. מתוך הלב והנשמה, כך בעצם אני מחבק אותך בחזרה. אם רק הייתי יכול, הייתי נותן לך חיבור גדול, אם זה היה אפשר. הייתי מאושר, כה מאושר, אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל לחבק את בורא עולם, כה נעלם ונסתר, כל כך מושלם. אבל אני הקטן, איך אוכל להחזיר קצת טוב אל האבא, האבא של כולם. אני שר, אני שר רק בשבילך, עם כל צליל אומר תודה, ובעצם אני מחבק אותך בחזרה. שר רק לכבודך, מתוך הלב והנשמה, כך בעצם אני מחבק אותך בחזרה. אחרי כל השירים, אין לי עוד מילים. אחרי המנגינות, בוקות עכשיו תפילות. מכל הטוב שלו נגמר, כל כולי מאושר אני שר. אני שר, אני שר. Asher Barasa Sa'in Simcha 
JM in the AM. Eitan Katz, Asher Bara. Pretty good tune, huh? Yeah, I agree. Pretty good tune. <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, Eitan Katz uh, here at JM in the AM. Avremo had Ani Shar. You heard Lacha done by Mordechai Shapiro. RJ2, that's Bishvil Akol. Coming Home, done by Aryeh Kunstler. Michal Przanski's Al Shlosha. Abishter, that was Eli Schwebel. And of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Thursday on this June 7th, the 24th of Sivan, the year 5778, Tavshinayin Ches, 61 degrees, 77% humidity, winds are southeast at 3 miles per hour. Morning clouds, afternoon sun, a high of 70. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 60. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high of 82. Not bad. Tomorrow seems like summer. Today, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, more, more uh, spring-like, I guess. Or even fall-like. Anyway, we're at 61 here in New York City. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's JM and the AM. Big day here today as usual. As, when is there not a big day here at JM and the AM? Um, we've, got, um, we've got an amazing story from World War II. An amazing story from World War II. We get to, we get to laud and celebrate a righteous Gentile this morning here at... JM and the AM, and we'll explain coming up. Really an amazing story. Plus, those of you who love baseball and love Israel, you'll love the conversation that's coming up later on as well. And who knows what else is going to happen. It's Thursday, after all. Lots going on all day long on our incredible network. I hope you'll uh, be tuned in and stay tuned in all through the morning as we present our unique presentation here at JM and the AM. More coming up. It's the Malcolm Siegel Network. Good morning, everybody.
Miami wrapping up the hour at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMNAM. Galay Tzal, Asha'a 2, Shalom Rav, Kanrani Avnai, Ima Shekorei Achshav. Asona Ashitafon Ba'arava. 
מועצת המכינות הקדם צבאיות קוראת למכינת בני ציון להפסיק את פעילותה עד לתום תהליך בנייה מחדש, כהגדרתה. חברי הוועד המנהל של המועצה סבורים כי אין לפתוח את המכינה לפני השלמת התהליך, אך אין ביכולתם להורות על הסגירה. חברי דירקטוריון המכינה התפטרו מתפקידם בימים האחרונים, כחודש אחרי שהתפטר העומד בראשה יובל כהן, יחשוד בגרימת מוות ברשלנות. לבני ציון טרם נמסרה הודעה באשר להמשך פעילותה בשנה הבאה. גורמים מדיניים בקטאר מכחישים את מעורבות המדינה בביטול משחק נבחרת ארגנטינה בכדורגל ישראל. כתבתנו אליל שחר. לאחר שגורמים בהפקה הישראלית האשימו את קטאר בביטול המשחק של נבחרת ארגנטינה בישראל, ניהל שגריר ישראל באונסקו, כרמל שאמה הכהן, מגעים עקיפים עם גורם בכיר בדוחה, שהכחיש כל מעורבות בנושא. בצה"ל מציגים תיעוד בו נראית הפרמדיקית הפלסטינית שנהרגה בהפגנה בשבוע שעבר ברצועה כשהיא משליכה רימון גז, כתבנו הצבאי צחי דבוש. בסרטון נצפית הפרמדיקית בת ה-22 שנהרגה ביום שישי מאש צה"ל כשהיא משליכה רימון גז במסגרת הפרות הסדר על גדר המערכת. דובר צה"ל בערבית רב סרן אביחי אדראי תהה האם פרמדיקים ברחבי העולם גם כן משליכים פצצות ולוקחים חלק במהומות אלימות. ולמרות הסרטון הזה, מנגנון התחקור המטכ"לי של צה"ל בודק כעת את נסיבות מותה של הפלסטינית. גבר בן 20 תושב הנגב חשוד באונס נערה בת 13. הצעיר שמפעיל עסק לניזום, פירסינג, חשוד שניצל את הקטינה שהייתה לקוחה שלו ותקף אותה מינית תוך שימוש באלימות והפעלת כוח. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו רמי שני. שר התקשורת איוב קרא שב ומבטיח כי תחרות האירוויזיון בישראל תתנהל ללא מעורבות פוליטית והיא תתקיים כאן גם אם לא בירושלים. לממשלה ולי באופן אישי אין שום כוונה פוליטית סביב קיום האירוויזיון בישראל. אנחנו נפעל לפי הנחיות ה-IBU האירופי כפי שנקבעו וכלשונם. האירוויזיון יתקיים בישראל. בספרד הושבעה הממשלה החדשה לאחר הפלת הקודמת ובה מכהנות 11 שרות מתוך 16 חברי ממשלה. כתבנו עירד עצמון שמאייר. אתמול חשף ראש הממשלה הטרי פדרו סנצ'ז את ממשלתו, בה כשני שליש נשים. זו ממשלה שתפעל למען חברה שוויונית ופתוחה, המעוגנת באיחוד האירופי, אמר סנצ'ז לעיתונאים. סנצ'ז הושבע לתפקידו לאחר שהביס בהצבעת אי אמון את ראש הממשלה היוצא של ספרד, מריאנו רחוי, שמפלגתו נקלעה בפרשיית שחיתות. ומזג האוויר לסיום, חם מהרגיל לעונה, מחר מצעד הגאווה בתל אביב עדיין יהיה חם. אלה החדשות שעורך מירון ששון. בחסות BMW, המציגה את דגמי BMW מיני.
That's brand new from Yehuda Green. The uh, song is called Mashiach, and the album, I believe, is called Mashiach. Let me check. Uh, yes. Oh, no, the album is called Neshamala. The album is called Neshamala. The song is called Mashiach. It is brand new. Yehuda Green literally just released a 13-track CD. We must, must get him in studio. Can we get him in studio before the three-week start? I hope so. We must get him in studio here at JM&A. And brand new. Mashiach, Yehuda Green from the album The Shamala. You're listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Thursday, that's the uh, Mordechai Shapiro tune, Machar. Before that, Shalshelis with Yibane. Opened up the hour with the brand new one from Yehuda Green. That's Mashiach off of the album entitled Neshamala here at J.M. in the A.M. Good morning, everybody. Everyone is uh, clamoring for Rabbi Fast to join me before Parsha Shlach, which is, of course, this Shabbos, for uh, what is essentially our annual conversation uh, about Israel. Annual, I mean, we speak to Rabbi Fast much more often than uh, just once a year, but it's always amazing to hear his words during the week of Parsha Shlach uh, when I remind you that um, two-twelfths or one-sixth of the um, Maraglim did and said what uh, was uh, what found favor in God's eyes, while uh, five-sixths, the majority, the majority of Jewish leadership of that great generation, it certainly was the greatest generation, the majority of Jewish leadership behaved improperly with their reaction to the land of Israel. I'll just remind everybody about that. Anyway, uh, Rabbi Fass um, always joins us, Parsha Shlach. We always look forward to it, and I hope he'll be able to join us this week. We are trying for today, if not hopefully tomorrow. Uh, we don't want a year to go by where he has not addressed us during this uh, very important week when it comes to the uh, Torah portion. J.M. and A.M. Thursday. You know, uh, I saw Dr. Rosenstein the other night. Such an amazing man, great supporter, and a um, such a fan of what we do, and I thank him. He has been involved in every Jewish organization you could ever imagine in so many different walks of life. Um, and uh, and <laughs> he he contacted me earlier this week, and if I, if I have this correct, and I think I do, he has a... He has the conflict of all conflicts this weekend. Like, this is the type of conflict that all of us pray to have. Uh, Yehuda Rosenstein is becoming a bar mitzvah this Shabbos. And um, and uh, Mazel Tov going out to uh, Shmuel Aaron and Chavi Rosenstein. So Yehuda's celebration is coming up. And at the same time, Naftali Rosenstein's Ofruf is this Shabbos as he gets ready uh, to marry Tamar Neiman, Tamar Neiman from up in Muncie, New York. So this is amazing. We get an opportunity to wish a double Mazel Tov to the Rosenstein family, Yehuda, Naftali, Tamar, everybody. But on top of that, we get we get to highlight what is probably a grandfather's and great-grandfather's greatest conflict when there are two smachot at the same time in your family, Baruch Hashem, and you have to decide what to do. So a big, big mazda to the Rosenshines. 
like I say, I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll come up with a solution to this, uh, no doubt about it. But what a great problem to have. We all, speaking of clamoring, we all clamor to have that type of difficulty. 19, quote-unquote, 19 minutes after 7 o'clock, it is a JM in the AM Thursday. Well, I'm told that the third grade at Hafter did an amazing job with their presentation last night. And the listener R and uh, the third graders at Hafter deserve this special selection, which was included in their program last evening, from Avramel. Here it is for the Hafter third grade from all of us here at JM in the AM.
actually the song that opens the brand new Yehuda Green album, The Shamala. Simply entitled Yehuda's Nigun. Brand new, really brand new, hot off the press, fresh, complete, brand new. Yehuda Green here at JM in the AM. Good song, huh? You heard Avrema with Yushalayim Shabalev sent that out to the half to third graders. And now listener Sarah's out there somewhere in our audience, and uh, she wants to hear this one from Benny Friedman, which we'll do before we get to Rabbi Goldwasser. For listener Sarah and all her friends on a Thursday at JM in the AM. <laughs>
JM and the AM Thursday. That's the amazing Ivri Anochi. That's Benny Friedman. Thursday morning broadcast. JM and the AM are by David Goldwasser's words. Zechanishmas Arav Zebin of Alevi and Zechanishmas Esther Basrabis of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with morning chizuk. Good morning. We learn Venosati Lacham Mahalchim Ben Haomdim Hoela. And I will give you those that will travel between those that stay stationary. A malach, an angel, is called by the name of Omed because he remains stationary on his madrega, on his level. Adam, a person, is called holech, travels or goes because he travels from level to level, from madrega to madrega. Each has a particular attribute and also a chisaron, a detriment. The Omed, the one that stands, the one that does not travel up or down, he can't ever fall from his madrega. Forever he is stationary in that position. However, the chisaron, the detriment is that he can't be ola madregas, he cannot climb to the next spiritual level. He can't go any higher. If he was created to sing or to do a particular mission, he cannot change. The mile of Adam, the great attribute of a human being, is that we were created in the Bechina of a Holech, in the category of one who travels. We can ascend from one Madrega, from one level to the next. The detriment, the Chisaron, is that we could also fall from that particular level. One can be Zoha or merit to have both attributes. Like Chazal tell us in Perkeavos, the ethics of our fathers, whoever lends merit to the masses, who's ever involved in the community, whoever helps out in the congregation, that tzaddik is Mazaka the Rabbim. They help the community, and then the person has both attributes. He can go up, madrega after madrega. Level after level, he has also the promise of Ein chet ba'al yado, that sin will never happen. That's what Rashi tells us in Baloscha that when a person kindles the neshamos of Klal Yisrael, he will always go up, he will never go down. As it says, Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam, the candle of Hashem is the soul of man. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Jam in the AM Thursday. I, I mentioned earlier when we started the show back at 6 a.m. that um, we'd be speaking with an amazing person today who has an incredible story and uh, and such an inspiring tale. And, um, and uh, with that in mind, I'd like to introduce this audience, Pastor... Chris Edmonds. Pastor Chris Edmonds is senior pastor of the Piney Grove Baptist Church in Maryville, Tennessee. Pastor Edmonds is the son of World War II hero Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds, whose fearless bravery saved the lives of more than 200 Jewish American soldiers in a prisoner of war camp in Germany. Pastor Chris recently received Righteous Among the Nations on behalf of his father from the Nation of Israel and Yad Vashem, the world's Holocaust Remembrance Authority. Righteous Among the Nations is the highest honor given by the Nation of Israel to non-Jews who rescued Jews during the Holocaust. 
Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds died in 1985. He was the fifth American to be recognized by Yad Vashem as a righteous among the nations. In 2016, the Jewish Foundation for the Righteous reunited Pastor Edmonds with four of the Jewish GIs who were saved by Master Sergeant Edmonds in a documentary entitled Following the Footsteps of My Father. The film won four Tele Awards. In November of 2016, JFR honored Master Sergeant Edmonds with the He R Award, the Let There Be Light Award, and recognized Jewish GI saved by Master Sergeant Edmonds. The film, the full-length film, opens in New York City at the IFC Center on 6th Avenue this coming Friday. Pastor Chris Edmonds, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nakam. It's it's a pri- privilege to be here. Thank you, sir. I greatly appreciate that. the The film is unbelievable. It, it is just an incredible story, and and there's so many different angles, so many reasons why it's remarkable and incredible. First of all, as an overview, it is so important for us in this generation to remember how brave and courageous, in general, the twenty year old. <laughs> GIs were in World War II. A lot of us have 20-year-old children and cannot even believe that 20-year-olds can be put in a situation like your father and his colleagues were. And then on top of that, to be POWs and for your grandparents to be informed by mail that their son is a POW. I guess a good place to start is with a a general acknowledgement of how incredible that generation was. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, especially the this is the day after D-Day, where we where we remember the the great soldiers who who stormed the beach of Normandy, and uh, th- those young men were just phenomenal. They were not only brave, they were smart, and um, they also they wanted to live. You know, they 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 had a life ahead of them, and that's what they looked forward to in that camp. You know, that's what they talked about. Besides besides the food, which they were starving to death. <laughs> right. um, you know, they 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 talked about life it, in the camp. Um, Lester and 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 Paul and Skip and Hank and, and Sonny have told me different uh, in their own ways, but different versions of of how there were up men in the camp and down men in the camp. So so there were men who were up on life, and then there were men who were down and just kind of wanted to to give up. And evidently, my dad told told the up men said. We got to take care of these down guys, Oof. and so so their mission every day was to get those guys out of bed, make sure they they tried to eat, you know what what little meager fare that they had, um, and and walk them and and help them shave and just kind of still have a, and a lot of guys survived that way because the men were they were together, um, they 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 cared for one another because. Um, they had to. Wow. And so I so I say to a lot, a lot of times when I'm speaking to students, I'll say, you know, the the real gift of life is life itself. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's not who you're going to be or what you're going to make or or how successful you know life is going to be for you. It's it's that you have life. And then the second thing is is that life is not about uh, one of us or a part of us. It's about all of us. And and it was demonstrated in 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 the camp in the way that there's not just in the camp but in the battle. Yeah, oh, no question about um, it. That, that's the, the, it, it, the. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The, yeah, well, I was just going to say that when when you 
when you start seeing some of the footage and and re- and doing some research, figuring out how how ferocious that battle was, and even in Dad's diary, he said, you know, our rifles were no good against uh, tanks, artillery, and eighty-eight fire, and so it's like trying to take a BB gun and and shoot at a tank. Um, but yet they held on and held on tenaciously to the point that they slowed down the the, the German, you know, advance to the point that they uh, they didn't fulfill their their goals and 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 ultimately lost. Yeah. So, uh, and and embedded in those in those units were the brightest of the bright. No question about um, it, and, and their and their efforts and their efforts, frankly, you know, le- led to the Ally victory. No matter what happened, it did. No, no matter what happened in each individual battle, as you described, every every one of those things, and every time they could delay, and every time they could uh, intimidate the enemy, it was always a uh, it was always a small victory. Uh, Pastor Chris Edmonds is with us now. Unlike some of the other POWs from other countries that were in camps for years because of the timing of the war and the way things developed, uh, your father's unit was. Um, was uh, in the POW camp for a period of months, not to minimize that. It was absolute torture and hell. There's no question about it. And the way it's described in his diary and through the film, uh, one, can only, uh, one can only conclude that. Uh, and, and this group is together. This group that you describe is together as Christians, Jews, Americans, everybody together, all different backgrounds. I assume your father and others very possibly had never met Jewish people before, before enlisting, had not met people from other parts of the country, etc. And all of a sudden this group, as you describe, under your father's leadership, really starts to meld together. Yes, they. they uh, I don't know that Dad had, had met any Jewish people before. Uh, he may have in in high school right. and in grammar school, but uh, you know I don't know that as a fact. But uh, I do know that when they there was a melting pot in in the U.S. Army, and so there were Christians, there were Jewish people, there 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 were Catholics, Presbyterians, Episcopalians. I mean, it was all a, a great mix. Um, and they they just slugged them all together and made them uh, effective as 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 a unit and as a team. Then they learned from each other, um, as you'll as you see in the film, mm-hmm. some of the things they talk about. And then we're, we're writing a book as well, and there's even more that's going to be in the book about about that uh, that that whole experience of of boys coming together from all across the country from all kinds of backgrounds becoming one because they're Americans, they have a mission and and their mission is right, their mission is good, and it's to defeat the evil Nazis. Film is called Footsteps of My Father. Pastor Chris Edmonds is with us and literally, by the way, plenty of the film is literally Footsteps of Your Father, which we're going to talk about a little later on. But first I just want to remind everybody some of the most important footage of the film in my opinion is the discussion by the GIs of what they went through. The cattle cars, again, something very familiar to, to, to many people in our community who are, who are children of survivors or grandchildren of survivors. They've heard many stories like that. So the cattle cars, of course, the POWs were treated the very same way. And, and in, in, in the case of your father, uh, those cattle cars, because of the trains in general, because of the nature of the end of the war and how it ended, were, were bombarded, ironically enough, by American and ally um, uh, you know, air, air um, uh, bombings. 
um, that were taking place, and, and many didn't survive from that. And uh, secondly, uh, the marches and the starvation and the way that the, the POWs were treated. Often we think POWs may have been treated a, different, uh, a bit differently or maybe on a little bit of a higher level than others in concentration camps, etc. But, you know, you have, you have testimonies in your film of GIs who lost, you know, 60 pounds in a, in a period of a couple of months and, uh, and, and, you know, people who literally were starving to death. I don't know how they survived. It sounds like from the testimonials and footsteps of my father that these GIs, many of them had nothing to drink or eat for days at a time. One wonders how they even survived. Yeah, I, I agree. Their, um, their ability to survive, I think, was uh, phenomenal. The doctor, the Army doctors at Camp Lucky Strike, when they were liberated, they were sent to, to France to a camp called Lucky Strike. The doctors there told them had they stayed one more month in that condition, they would have. Most of them would have died of starvation. Oh. Uh, they were losing one pound a day on average, so they were systematically being starved. When, when the camp was liberated, they found Red Cross thousands of Red Cross packages that were just thrown aside and not distributed to the men. Oh, um, yeah. So, so it it was a horrible situation. But in the midst of that, they kept their wits. Uh, and they they primarily just thought about and talked about food and the food they wanted to have when they got out. Dad actually, I have a diary. Uh, he has two diaries. One's more of a narrative, and the other is a a complete restaurant plan. It's called <laughs> the Jolly Chef, and it's it's the logos, it's the menus, it's the floor plans. It's like four he and three other guys said we're going to open a restaurant when we get back to the states. They never did, but. That's they were eating off an imaginary menu, basically. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! It, it's really funny too. Sonny, Sonny Fox will talk about how the the, the cook before the, before the capture and uh, you know before they had they were surrendered and had and captured. They uh, the cooks were the most despised people in the unit. <laughs> right. Once they were starving to death in the camp, the cooks became famous. So. Oh. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. Incredible. Uh, the movie is Footsteps of My Father opens in Manhattan this coming Sunday. All right, so he, let's get to one of the most important parts of all this. You did not know anything about the episode that we're about to discuss during your father's life. There's an episode which we're about to discuss which saved hundreds of Jewish GIs, and one could argue even more than that in terms of the general population of the POW camp, and you didn't know about it until your father was gone. Yeah, I didn't I actually heard the story for the first time in New York City uh, in the Harvard Club on um, March. Let me make sure this is right. I think it's March 21st of not, uh, 2013, so what, five years ago. Um, no one in our family knew knew of this story. No one knew of, of what he did. We just knew he went to war, that he had been captured, and he was a POW, he survived. He came back home. He never talked about it, ever. How'd you find out about the story? Well, it's uh, I, I give all credit to God, first of all. Uh, I think he he um, has revealed it for such a time as this. Um, my daughter was uh, at the Maryville College here, a local college here in town, and she was given the assignment by her history teacher, um, professor asked her and a group of kids to come up with a family story that's historical and, and make a make a short video as a, as a school project. So she came home and she said, Dad, I, 
I, I told everybody that Papaw was a POW in World War II, and they said, that's the story we should do. So what do you think? And I said, well, I think it's great. So I told her we still had two diaries, two books that Dad had kept, and maybe they could find some info. I'd read them several times, and, you know, they were intriguing, but they had just never sparked, you know, my heart. And then so so she, she and her group start making this video, and while they're doing that, I'm rereading the diaries, and I'm helping them with research, and then it just hits me. It's like, what happened over there? Um, the narrative was, was powerful enough but then there were like cryptic notes, just a little a dash, and it says Jewish friends moved out. And then there was another dash that said dogs. Then there was a dash that said before the commander. Um, and then there was another dash that said hiding. And these were just like mental markers for him, I, I think, of things that happened over there that were really too hard to talk about because in his diary, he said, there's lots of things I'm not going to talk about because they're not exactly nice. So, um, I think there's things happened over there, even in the midst of battle and in, in the POW, uh, as a prisoner of war that we'll never know. Correct. That's for sure. He never talked about it. So, So, so she did, she did the project, but it sparked my heart. And I said, I got to find out what happened, you know, the dad and a friend friend of mine told me he said you can get you can get information from the army there's records the national archives has records about experiences over there and so i said well i'm just going to start by going on 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 the internet and typing in his name and his rank so that's what i did one night about midnight and um amazingly his name appeared in the new york times article about president nixon I was like, and the article is entitled Richard Nixon's Search for a New York Home, and it was recounting Nixon's experience of trying to move to New York back in 1980. Right. And I, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the, do the math. And I'm like, well, what, what is dad's name? And, you know, Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds doing in an article about President Nixon moving to New York in 1980. And it was, attached to an attorney named Lester Tanner who lived in New York at the time. And he, he basically ended up selling his townhouse to the president. Uh. And so in the, in that article, Lester just mentions, he said, had it not been for the bravery of my master sergeant, Roddy Edmonds, you know, I would not have been alive. If it would not have been for the bravery of my master sergeant, Roddy Edmonds, I would not be alive. Yeah. Uh. And I wouldn't have met the president. I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have, (laughs) Would have selling my townhouse. It was like, whoa! I mean, I jumped up, I ran, I woke up my wife, I drug her out of bed. I said, "Look at this! This is crazy! What are they talking about? Who's Lester Tanner?" You know. And then I started doing more math. I said, "Well, because this was 2009. By the right. time I was reading this, I was like, is, is Lester still alive? You know? And he's got to be in his late 80s." So that began a journey of me trying to find Lester, which took took a little while, but I, I tracked him down. And they actually reunite, and they eventually reunite you with four of those who were yes. under your father's command in the POW camp. Yes, yeah, it went from one to, to actually five. There's one gentleman that's not in the film, but there's actually five POWs that uh, were in the camp and were part of that that 
right. horrible experience. And I apologize for moving along, but but uh, essentially at, at one point, the Nazi officer says to your father, um, it, 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 "I'm commanding you to separate and and make known which of the um, uh, which of the soldiers in the POW camp are Jewish and separate them from everybody else." And they're coming out, yeah. and they come out for roll call, and 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 this roll call was supposed to be quote unquote only the Jews, and basically every every soldier in the POW camp is at that roll call, right? Yeah, nearly thirteen hundred soldiers are standing there in sharp formation because Dad, had, the night before when he got the orders to just send the Jewish men out, he said he told everyone, "said We're not doing that tomorrow. We're, we're all falling out." He told so everyone. He, he told everyone, "We're not yeah. separating anybody. We are all going out tomorrow for roll call." Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to make the point that dad, yes, what he did was very heroic, but he was the only hero out there. Right. All of those men were heroes. That's true. Because the orders were, the, the orders were explicit. Only the Jews, if you disobey orders, you're, you will be shot. Right. Okay. So, so they all went out and, you know, dad let them all out there. And then the, the major from the high command who happened to be there that day, comes over to dad and he said they cannot all be jews and he was just really hateful to dad and dad said we are all jews here which was amazing that he had that that mind and that is the uh, quote that's like that. and that's the quote the gi said they will never ever forget we are all jews here yes your father we are all jews your here. father master sergeant roddy edmonds of tennessee says says we are all jews here and at that point the nazi officer does what he, he pulls his gun out and presses it hard into my dad's forehead, and he screams at dad and says, One last chance, Sergeant. You order the Jews to step forward, or I will shoot you right now. Well, Lester was on the, on the left of dad, and Paul Stern, who's in the film, was on the right of dad. And they said, you know, time froze like the ground beneath their feet. It was just like, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen. And they said it, it seemed like an eternity, but finally Dad spoke, and he spoke back to the to the commander very calmly and confidently. He said, "He said, Major, you can shoot me, but if you do, you have to shoot all of us because we know who you are, and you'll stand for war crimes when we win this war." And then he added, "And you will pay." <sighs> oh man! Um, and and Lester, he said, "I didn't know what was going to happen." But he said immediately the the major turned white and his arm began to shake as as the weight of what Dad told him sank into his mind. And um, he said, then suddenly, just out of nowhere, uh, the mayor, I mean, the major pulled his gun to his holster, snapped the opposite direction, and marched and retreated back to his headquarters. <laughs> Uh, and never, ne- they never asked for the Jewish men again in that camp. And, and from what we know about World War II history, it's hard for us yeah. to believe that they just didn't gun everybody down right there on the spot. Oh, yeah. Well, and they went, when they liberated the camp, they found orders in the um, the drawer of, of the commandant to uh, orders to kill all the Jews. So, um Anyway, Lester said, after that experience, he said, what Roddy did made us all really brave. He said, we went back to the barracks and really cured your father. Um, 
and you'll see in the film where, where Lester talks about, you know, from that point on when, when, when Roddy said, we're going to do such and such, we did it. Yeah, I can imagine after that. <laughs> your, your, your father had hold of the command after that, that's for sure. Yeah. Also, your father, yeah. never, your father never spoke to anybody about it, including the GIs. They never brought it up again after that moment. No, and, you know, the World War II generation, the GIs, they came back home, and, yeah. and they lived life, that's and they true. put it all behind them, and that's true. it was such a horrible experience. They they didn't really talk about it until their grandchildren got old enough to ask, you know, lots of questions. It's unbelievable. It's called Footsteps of My Father, everybody. you got to see it, and this is a film that all of us, all of us Jews and Christians have to see and show to our uh, children and grandchildren. It is called Footsteps of My Father, uh, Pastor Chris Edmonds' account of his uh, heroic father, Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds in World War II, whose fearless bravery saved the lives of more than 200 Jewish American soldiers in the prisoner of war camp in Germany, and I would argue saved many more lives than that and certainly saved subsequent generations, as one of the GIs points out. In the film, it opens at the IFC Center on 6th Avenue in New York City this coming Friday. Uh, Pastor Chris, an absolutely uh, an absolute delight and pleasure to speak with you. What can I say? God bless you, and God bless the memory of your amazing father. Thank you, sir. It's been an honor to be on today. Thank you. I greatly appreciate that. Really amazing. Thursday morning broadcast, plenty more coming up here. On a uh, JM in the AM Thursday, um, the film Footsteps of My Father, it opens at the IFC Center, 6th Avenue, New York City, this uh, coming Friday, tomorrow, this coming Friday here in New York. And again, this is one of those films, and, and I, I, I would hope that it will be eventually available summer camps, you know, during the three weeks and nine days, uh, around the time of Yom HaShoah, of course, and school programs. Uh, everyone should realize that there were some incredible heroic efforts made in World War II by non-Jews, uh, in addition to those heroes that were in our community, but non-Jews to save lives. And if I'm not mistaken, based on the film, I believe um, not only is uh, is uh, Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds the fifth American to be recognized by Yad Vashem as righteous among the nations, I believe that he is the first um, United States Army officer to be recognized in that way by Yad Vashem. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world and web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app.
J.M. and the A.M., that's A.B.D. here on a Thursday. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Welcome to a Thursday, all. Well, we told you we have some great guests this morning, and we're making good on that commitment, that's for sure. <laughs> there is a, a, an incredible brand-new film coming out. I've seen the trailer. I am completely inspired. I remind our audience... And this conversation is going to be very different from the prior one, that's for sure. Um, I remind our audience that back in 2017, Israel, Pakistan, Brazil, and Great Britain played a modified double elimination format in the World Baseball Classic. Israel's schedule was positioned in a way that they would play the afternoon game Friday under any circumstances in order to avoid the need to play on Shabbat. And the Saturday night game, should Israel need to play, would start after Shabbat was over. You may recall, we were there that night when Israel beat Great Britain 5-2. to two. That was pretty cool. Great game. Then Israel beat Brazil in Game 2, 1-0, which was great. Israel defeated Great Britain in the finals, 9-1. to one. Jason Marquis struck out five batters while pitching four perfect innings. It was really a great night. And, um, and then, of course, Israel went to the... Uh, uh, to the um, main tournament, so to speak, or the next round. And eventually the Cinderella run came to an end. But boy, did it have us inspired. Boy, did it grab us how Team Israel represented the Jewish people, represented Israel, and did so well, quote-unquote, on the baseball diamond. Well, Jeremy Newberger is with us live via telephone. He's a two-time Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker, CEO of Ironbound Films. His most recent film, Heading Home, The Tale of Team Israel, takes a front row pumpkin carriage seat for Team Israel's Cinderella run at the World Baseball Classic. Jeremy Newberger, welcome to JM in the AM. Oh, what a pleasure to be here. You have got me completely inspired and pumped with this thing, I'll tell you. I don't, I don't know how much you know about this show, but everyone out there knows that I, 
I quell I quell when the Jewish people are represented in quote unquote unusual uh, arenas. And I was there. I was there for the World Baseball Classic. It was amazing. The moment for me, frankly, was when the team and I, I have no expectations, frankly, from the team when it comes to uh, you know representing uh, Israel or the Jewish people in a in an enhanced quote unquote religious fashion. But when they took off their caps for the national anthem. And they had kipot on their heads. I thought that was one of the most remarkable statements ever. And that's just one little piece. I see you included, of course, in the trailer. Of course. It's just one little piece of so many different things that were going on. I mean, there, there were, there was, uh, there were, there were a Jewish rituals going on in the dugout under the leadership of Jordy Alter, who's my old friend and, and program director forty years ago for the radio station I was at. And and there was, uh, a, and then there's a question at the press conference about the mensch on the bench, which turned out to be the mascot, so to speak, for the team. There's so many little elements that make this such a great story. It must have been. A lot of fun doing this. Oh, my goodness. This is the most fun I've ever had making a documentary. And traditionally, making a documentary is not a fun job. I mean, it's great, and it's, uh, it's a living, but it's usually long hours of nothing happening. And then you get a project like this where it's just nonstop. I mean, every corner was some unusual uh, moment that just, was hilarious, inspiring, uh, you know, played into my sort of love for Israel and, you know, growing up a Jew in America in ways that I never thought I would experience at work. Uh, just really fun and cool. Did the players get it or they just followed leadership's lead on this? Like, did they get how significant this was to, you know, to fans like me around the world? Um, I think the players understood that they were. Uh, experiencing something special uh, that maybe, you know, some of the... Remember, there, there's a lot of players, so you can't really just right. say the players right. as one voice. Right. Some of them understood that this was a special moment, not only for Israel, but for, for Jews. Uh, and they were not going to let down their fans, and they were not going to let down the people that were sort of really moved by this. And others were just sort of, you know, really young in in kind of you know, maybe in shock a little bit that this was so, uh, this was capturing the imagination of the public so much because this really became one of the stories of the World Baseball Classic. Oh, no question about it. We remember we followed it like crazy and the press was going nuts. And and the uh, the, the whole concept of, uh, you know, preparing a team that would compete. This was the general manager and leadership of the team took it very seriously. In fact, you know, it, crowd, I think it's Krauthammer in your documentary, right, who says you thought all Jews could do his finance, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So it was so important. Right, right. It was so important that they just not put on a team put a team on the field, but put a team that could win on the field, which was so important to them. Yeah, I think Peter Kurz, who's the general manager of Team Israel, really uh, kind of led the charge to assemble, like, the ultimate, you know, Jewish all-star team. And, you know, they, they, they really tried to get the, the top-name Jewish talent on down, and then it became a journey to find players who are actually Jewish that you wouldn't know, maybe they didn't know. Right. And that, that's one of the funnier scenes in the movie is when Peter is trying to explain the process of assembling the team. <laughs> because they've got all the requ- all the religious requirements in addition to all the baseball requirements. Yeah, just imagine people sending in like pictures of their grandparents' tombstones. <laughs> right. and, you know, 
ketubas and things like that in order to get on like a baseball team. I love it. Fantastic. Unbelievable. Uh, Jeremy Newberger is with us. Uh, the, the film is called Heading Home, The Tale of Team Israel. When do we get to see this? When is this hitting the market? So the film should be in theaters in New York uh, in August. Fantastic. Exciting. Uh, and then around the country following. Uh, we've had a, a crazy response to this thing. Uh, this is one of the few films I've ever made where people are cheering like in the audience <laughs> in the theater while it's playing, as if they're in a stadium somewhere. So I think the response at the, at the festivals that we've premiered at, which have been many uh, around the country, and even in Israel, uh, we played in Jerusalem last week, Wow, uh, has been... Like uh, cla- people are clamoring to see this. Oh, I'm I'm, like- I'm holishing as the as the expression goes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this yeah. so badly. By the way, could you have done this if they would not have won any games, or it would be impossible to sell a documentary like this if they weren't if they didn't if they didn't have that Cinderella run? I mean, listen, when we set out to make this film, we had no idea that what was going to happen was going to happen. Right. I mean, uh, a friend of mine from Jewish sleepaway camp who works for Major League Baseball called me and said. Let's do a film about Jewish ballplayers. And I was like, okay, well, you know, why not? And we went out and we filmed spring training. And we interviewed people like, you know, Jock Peterson and Ian Kinsler. Right. N- neither were on the team, by the way. Right. But we interviewed, a, you know, a minion of Jewish players. <laughs> right. Put together a reel, and no one was interested. And then luck would have it. Uh, eight or nine of the guys we interviewed ended up in Brooklyn at the qualifier and qualified. And then all of a sudden the floodgates opened and it was like, Oh my goodness, we're on top of something. And then I spent the next like three months trying to figure out, okay, what if they win one game? Will it be a film? What if they win two games? Will it be a film? I mean, it's like a Passover song or something. Right. Right. And I think the whole while, we had gone on a trip with the team, or at least 10 guys from the team, to Israel that was really remarkable. Um, like, imagine like a birthright trip for a group of guys, many of them who have not uh, had you know, such rich Jewish lives. Right. They've been busy being jocks. Right. And the transformation on the trip was really compelling. So we had that, and we knew that no matter how they did in the series, this was still something that would register and strike a chord the fact that they became this david and goliath story just put us over the top and by the way and again i can only speak from seeing the trailer but those scenes where they're interacting with the israeli kids and the american kids who now live in israel who know about baseball is unbelievable it's so heartwarming yeah it yeah it was really special especially at the field uh you know there's one baseball field in israel so they went there and it was you know a mob scene of you know, mostly expats who live there in Israel and their kids, you know, trying to get autographs. But it was really special. Uh, but, yeah, we, we tapped into something. I think this is like the ultimate diaspora Jew story. Yeah, it's uh, so great. Being it's one myself, so great. I think it's like a, a total nosh for you. If that's what, you know, you're looking for an hour and a half diversion, this is it. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for this thing to come out. I'm telling you. And you have scenes of them landing in Israel on the plane, and you have scenes of, the, of them learning of terror attacks that happen nearby as they're on the bus. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. And again, I only saw two minutes of it, but there's a lot of great stuff in this film. It is called Heading Home, the Tale of Team Israel. By the way, my own little story from this whole episode is that I, I had the honor of throwing out the first pitch 
at the at the Great Britain game, you know, before the cool. uh, before the Great Britain game, which was amazing. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I was so ignorant about all of this, the process you just described back then, and uh, I'm much more educated now okay. about it. And I and I'm saying to myself, wow, there's the team Israel catcher, you know, on the other end of this pitch. When I finish and they take a picture, you know, you take a picture with him and everything. I'm going to ask him where he's from, and I'm sure he'll tell right. me. And I'm sure he'll tell me Kfar Saba or a lot <laughs> or or Renata, right? I'm expecting it's like that. So I put my arm around him and I say, hey, where are you from? He goes, Oakland. California. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand how they recruited this team. <laughs> right, right. It was yeah. great. It people, was just great. People get offended in the movie about the fact that they're not Israeli. Right. I don't want to blow away the plot line of the <laughs> right. film, but it is. It, there's some controversy involved. Amazing. The whole thing is great. Anyway, I I can't wait. I can't wait. You got to let us know exactly when it's available to everybody and we can go out to the theaters and enjoy it because we are very, very much looking forward to it. It's another amazing way to represent the Jewish people in a unique and different fashion. And Team Israel certainly did that during that Cinderella run. The film is called Heading Home, the Tale of Team Israel. Jeremy Newberger, anything else you'd like to add? No, that, that's it for this morning. But I promise I'll be back to tell you when. I can't wait. to be in theaters, okay? I can't, I can't wait. You have no idea. 90 minutes? I went into this conversation thinking it's like a 30-minute documentary. I can't believe I'm getting a full hour and a half of this. This is going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. We went feature, baby. This Woo! is, you know, Seth will be DeMille time. <laughs> I love it. Go Team Israel. That's all I can say. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> My pleasure. 13 minutes after 8 o'clock. More coming up. It's JM in the AM. מלחמות קשות, רדיפות כואבות, בכל זמן, בכל מקום עברנו את פרו, נעבור גם את זה עלילות שגרים, צוררים קשים, שרוצים רק להרוס עברנו את פרו, נעבור גם את זה אז נצא כולנו יחד לרחובות העיר ניקח אוויר וניצח
מלכים גדולים, מדינות ענק, אימפריות כה גדולות, כמעט שנעלמו, ואנחנו עוד כאן. כך אלפי שנים מעטים מורבים, ואין ספור של ניסים. עם ישראל חי, אנחנו עוד כאן. אנחנו עוד כאן. עודה ה' עודה לך אבא דואג ואוהב, זה עושה טוב בלב. עודה ה' עודה לך אבא מושלם, נאמן כל הזמן. עודה ה' עודה לך אבא דואג ואוהב, זה עושה טוב בלב. עודה ה' עודה לך אבא מושלם, נאמן כל הזמן. תודה לך.
לפעמים כבר אין עוד כוח, לפעמים הכל נורא. יש ימים שבא לברוח, יש ימים שאין ברירה. אל תדאג, יהיה בסדר, בסוף הכל עובד. עוד רגע זה מגיע, אתה כבר מתגבר. מתפלל בכל הכוח, רוצה לבכות ממש. זה הלב שלא שוכח, אני ניסה נרגש. פתאום מתוך החושך, עולה מהטהור. כל הצללים ינוסו, פתאום אתה גיבור. יהיה בסדר, השם אוהב אותך. יהיה בסדר, השם שומר אותך. יהיה בסדר, אין שום דאגות. יהיה בסדר, הכל יכול לקרות. יהיה בסדר, השם אוהב אותך. יהיה בסדר, השם שומר אותך. יהיה בסדר, אין שום שוקע, צולל כל כך עמוק, מחפש את התשובה, הולך כל כך רחוק. אל תדאג, יהיה בסדר, בסוף הכל עובד. עוד רגע זה מגיע, אתה כבר מתגבר. נושא עיניי למעלה, אל עבר ההרים. מתי תשמע קולי, קורא לאלוקים. פתאום מתוך החושך, עולה מהטהור. כל הצללים ינוסו. פתאום אתה גיבור, יהיה בסדר, השם אוהב אותך, יהיה בסדר, השם שומר אותך, יהיה בסדר, אין שום דאגות, יהיה בסדר, הכל יכול לקרות, יהיה בסדר, השם אוהב אותך, יהיה בסדר, השם שומר אותך, יהיה בסדר, אין שום
J.M. in the A.M. Sim Shalom from Shalshalas. Micha Gammerman had Yebis said there. Kulanu Nizamerich. I'm David Burson and Sim Chaliner in there with Meraki. A lot of great music for you here. We'll get to, uh, we'll do the brand new one from Yehuda Green also. Uh, we did it earlier today. We'll do it one more time. Um, yeah, we have a tradition of doing that. Come on. Got to do it at least one more time, right? Here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, my thanks to Jeremy Newberger. My thanks to Pastor uh, Chris Edmonds. What an amazing uh, day of interviews, I got to tell you. And you want to know something? I got and I got to say this, and I and I want to thank everybody who's been contributing uh, at fjbunity.org, and I want to thank everybody who's been contributing via the mail. Um, a lot of great contributions, and you can go to fjbunity.org, and you can go to your uh, to your mailbox, literally, and you can continue to contribute. Um, oh, in fact, this donation, let me, let me read this donation because it was scheduled. It, it was, it was requested. This donation was requested to be read yesterday, uh, but we didn't have it yesterday. We just got it yesterday afternoon. So a big thank you to, um, uh, Dr. Lester and Susan Ekman in Elizabeth, New Jersey, a $100 donation. Much, much appreciated. It's an honor of the publication of, uh, Dr. Lester Ekman's, um, 13th book. Wow. Um, from Holocaust to Freedom. Um, he's a full professor of history at Turo College, and we acknowledge both his incredible accomplishment and the Ekman's donation to us here at JMM. I had a guest at my Shabbos table like two weeks ago um, who was uh, good friends with the Ekmans. I hope they got regards back from him. Anyway, I point all this out. Uh, for one reason, I point all this out for one reason, and, and since Miriam Wallach is going to join me anyway to discuss uh, our Thursday lineup here at the Nahum Siegel Network, let her be the sounding board for this comment. Good morning, Miriam. Good morning, Nahum. I mention this because, um, and and after 35 years, I think I have the right to say this, folks, um, because we, again, have a proven track record. Even though the two guests we had on earlier this morning could have been featured on websites, could have been featured in, um, in articles that you could have read, uh, could even be featured in books, frankly, that could be published. This is the only place, this is the only place where you are going to get two timely interviews like this on a regular Thursday and be inspired to the degree that everybody's inspired right now. It's the only place. It's the only forum. It's unique. It's abstract compared to what we're used to in the Jewish world. After all, this is, you know, more of an abstract format than than the people of the book are used to. Uh, but you're not going to get it anywhere else. We have a chance to gather here every single morning and throughout the entire day from the entire world. Listen to Devorah uh, just a moment ago after the baseball interview pointed out that it reminded her. Let me just get to her comment. It reminded her she's on the app that uh, this was great timing for the interview because the Little League final game in Israel is uh, going on. They're going into the finals tomorrow, and they wish Yad Binyamin, the Yad Binyamin Wolves, lots of luck as they hang on to their spot in the finals. She saw the Heading Home documentary with her kids, and they enjoyed it very much. So I just, um, so my point is, 
that there is a uniqueness to what we are doing what we are doing here for the last three and a half decades. As we get together every single morning, we get to hear these interactions and hear the voices, and I get to ask the questions that you want me to ask, the stuff that you're curious about when the pastor's on about his heroic father and when Jeremy is on about his incredible mo- baseball movie. I get to ask the questions that everyone's curious about. So as you go through your day and you have the envelopes sitting in your home and you have a computer or a phone at the ready with fjbunity.org, you know, a click away, fjbunity.org. That's the website to contribute. Consider supporting our spring fundraiser. It's going to be officially, even though it's officially over, it's unofficially going to be over at the end of June. Right when the three weeks start, that will be the, uh, the 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 end to our first fundraiser of 2018. So I'm asking everybody: if you haven't yet donated, if you haven't yet joined us this time around, a lot of people listening to JM Name this morning. I can't tell you how I know that, but trust me, I know it. <laughs> a lot of people listening to JM Name this morning, and I'd like all of you to please, at some point today, send back your envelope with a generous donation. If you're not on our list and don't get an envelope. There's another even easier method, fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. Miriam Wallach, you and I have discussed this a million times over the last few years on the air. I hope people understand how unique this effort is and how I, I get the privilege of asking the questions that they would ask if they'd be sitting down to coffee with the guests who are with us this morning. Nahum, not to borrow somebody else's tagline, but I can officially say nowhere but here. (laughs) That's right. It's just, I mean, you and I discussed that we are the only ones doing this. And whatever the this is at that moment, we're the only ones doing it. And it's funny because this morning I was listening to the unbelievable um, interview that you had at 8 o'clock about coming home and about this movie and knowing that you had had the pastor on earlier in the show and a number of the interviews that you had this week, including the dentist on Monday. <laughs> and, I said to, and I said to Stephen... I said, we are, I said, Nachum is sort of like out of his Jewish comfort zone in terms of what people are, quote-unquote, used to hearing. I said, but there is so much content out there. We are reaching people from so many different angles. We are, we are reaching listeners. We are hitting home to so many different people and being able to bring these stories to people in, in a way that no one else can. Yeah. And you're right. You are asking questions that people want asked. You are asking questions that people want the answers to, and you're still doing it after 35 years with a spring in your step and a loop in your voice, and, and it's inspiring. And, and I ask all of our listeners who haven't yet donated, who are sitting there with their envelopes, to, to help support that strength. We're not bringing you anything but quality programming, and we take tremendous pride in how hard we work. I- I've joked both personally and on the air that I've never worked this hard in my life, and I've never been happier working this hard. And it's, a, it's certainly a sacrifice for both of our families, but what I see the week that we have had and the response from listeners whether it's to the parade coverage. I mean, we went to pay a ship call this week, and somebody said to us, you know, your parade coverage was so great, it, it, it's almost, you know, I don't need to go to the parade. And we're like, no, 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 you got to go to the parade. <laughs> um, but, but that's what we're getting, and, and, and thank God, and whether it's at a school function or you go to a wedding or you go to a dinner, we are getting 
feedback from people left and right, people we did not know were listening. And I asked people to keep supporting that program. Yeah, we really, I mean, this has been a banner week for us, but you know what? It's becoming typical. These banner weeks are becoming typical where we have incredible shows, massive productions that take a lot of people and a tremendous amount of effort from staff and volunteers. All we ask is you keep us going, everybody. All we ask you keep us going. Go to fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. And, um, and of course, if you have an envelope because you're on our mailing list, send it back with a generous donation, with a nice dedication. Acknowledge the work that's being done and how we, in a in, in, in the most unusual fashion, most unusual fashion in terms of the way uh, Jewish history has been written and the way that Jews are used to over the centuries excuse me, the way Jews over the centuries are used to being inspired in the most unusual 21st century fashion we are providing so much incredible inspiration every single day so please, fjbunity.org recommend it to your friends as well even people who don't listen, let them support something that's doing such a great job each and every day and, of course, get those envelopes back to us, and we thank you very, very much. Uh, today, at 9 a.m., Unlocking Greatness with Charlie Harari is an encore presentation. Spin Class with Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder will highlight the um, political news of the week. Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Joseph is on at 10 o'clock. At 11 a.m., we'll do the live lunch, and we will include Ashley Blaker tickets for some of our lucky winning listeners. At 10.30, of course, it's That's Life with Miriam L. Wallach, and that's why Miriam is here. Those of you who've been reading Mishpacha magazine recently, no doubt have seen the story that Miriam is highlighting today. Uh, Miriam Wallach, tell our audience what to expect at 10.30 Eastern Time. Nicole Palach calls in from South Africa. She will be joining me on the air from Johannesburg. She is Hugo Palach's mother, who was, and Hugo's Greenhood, which is the name of the organization that he started, is featured in, was featured in Mishpacha Magazine, which is how the story was brought to our attention. Hugo's Greenhood is an incredible endeavor that a young boy, a young boy in Johannesburg, started on his own, simply seeing what other people choose not to see. It's a little bit of a choice. And I didn't really understand it until I did a little bit more research, but there is an entire segment of, pop- of the population in South Africa that literally recycles for a living because unemployment is so high that there, are, there, is, recycling in, there is recycling in every community, um, and these gentlemen, in order to provide for their families, sift through people's garbage, and this is their livelihood. And Hugo, a young boy in the Jewish community, saw this, these people and decided that there was something that he could do to make their lives easier, which was simply to separate the recycling in his home as opposed to making these people sift through his garbage. Right. And, um, and, and that's how this all got started. Now, very tragically, Hugo suffered an injury at, at school and um, and passed away. Right. And it wasn't it wasn't a situation of an ongoing illness for a number of years. It literally was a freak accident in school, and he died. Right. And in his honor, in the, in, the, in in his memory, they have continued Hugo's Greenhood, and it has grown to a massive, massive organization. 
And so his mom, Nicole Powell, joins me on the air this morning at 1030 to talk about Hugo's Greenhood and to talk about what they are doing in their community and seeing the unseen. That is their that is their 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 um, their logo, their their logo. That, that is their um, their motto. See the unseen, because there are people in our communities, there are segments of our societies that we choose not to see or that we just look past. And instead, you go look at them. And it's quite a movement. And she, she's going to tell us more about that this morning. But what I want our listeners to know is that not only are you never going to hear this interview anywhere else, you're just not. But supporting us helps support organizations like this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Helps bring it to the forefront. Oh, yes. It is the the thank yous that we get from organizations that we help support by giving them airtime. We truly appreciate that. And people who tell us how successful their campaigns have been because they were on JMM, because they were featured on the Nahum Siegel Network, because we gave them that exposure, we help give voices, we help give a platform. We are the platform for organizations who would otherwise not be heard and not be seen. And it is in their honor that you should give as well. Give what you can. If you if you feel passionately about an organization that we have had on the air or that you're going to hear about today or that you've already heard about today, give to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Go to fjbunity.org because it's with your support that we can keep getting them out there. Simple as that. fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. 10.30 this morning, that incredibly, what will no doubt be an emotional an extremely informative conversation. Miriam Alwalik will lead it, and her guest, as you heard, will be from South Africa via telephone. And again, that's 10.30 this morning on That's Life. We'll both speak with you during the live lunch and give away tickets, and uh, I have a whole bunch of stuff, post-parade stuff, that we're going to review also, really good material that we're going to review also uh, starting at 11 a.m. Uh, this morning uh, on the uh, live lunch. Miriam, I thank you very much. Thank you, Nahum. I it, appreciate it. As promised, brand new Yehuda Green at JM in the AM.
Brand new Yehuda Green. Charlie Harari coming up next with an encore presentation of Unlocking Greatness. Spin class with Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder, the latest political news. Join the City Speaks with Allison Joseph, Miriam Wallach, and That's Life with the uh, conversation with Nicole Pavlich of Hugo's Greenhood, as she described earlier. Live lunch coming up at 11. We plan on giving away tickets to Ashley Blaker. Having some fun during the live lunch. Make sure to be tuned in. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Sandy Shmueli was in there, of course, as well, with his Misha Asa words from the uh, Rosh Chodesh benching, which we uh, do this Shabbos. Yeah, Rosh Chodesh Benjamin coming up this Shabbos. Tomorrow, JM in the AM, yet another stellar edition coming up. We'll hopefully have Rabbi Fass on since it's Parsha Shlach. I hope we'll have him on. Please, God. 
Malcolm Holmline, 740 Eastern Time tomorrow morning. We call it the weekly update. Make sure you are tuned in. Weekly update tomorrow, 740 Eastern Time. With Malcolm Holmline. Rabbi Yudin, of course, and much, much more all happening tomorrow morning. Make sure to join us full day today, including tonight's Erev Shabbos show, a brand new Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zomik beginning at 7 p.m., brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Join us next at 11 a.m. with the live lunch, or join me next, I should say. Stay tuned for all of our great Thursday programming. Until tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future. (laughs) 